Hey guys, welcome to the shit show of my 20s. On this episode, I got to speak with Alexa. I had so much fun chatting with her. It's so incredible to see all the accomplishments she's had at such a young age. We talk about when she was younger, being bullied, starting her blog, being on the Rachel Ray show at 16. She's been featured on Good Morning America and Forbes to mention a few. Talk about how she pitches herself, what it's like hosting her own live event. She is the creator of the Be Fearless Summit. And we also talk about her podcast, Life Unfiltered, and so much more. So I hope you guys enjoy listening. Thank you so much, Alexa, for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to hearing more about you and your story. I'd love to start at the beginning. Tell me about you and what your stories look like so far. Yes. So thank you for having me. I started a blog back in 2011 when I was 12. I'm from a really small town in Eastern Connecticut, never fit in. And writing back in the day was really the only way that I felt like I could kind of overcome a lot of the things that I was dealing with that so many young people deal with family stuff and body image and not having a lot of friends. So I started the blog and then over the past 12 plus years have built it out into this full-time lifestyle site for teens on social media and mental health. Uh, I had a show for the last year on Radio Disney called Fearless Every Day that I pitched and got on my own. And then I have a weekly podcast too called This Is Life Unfiltered that talks to entrepreneurs and people about being fearless and living life unfiltered. And then I have a summit program too that I started called the Be Fearless Summit. Uh, I forgot about that. And the next one was supposed to be April 1st at Berkeley, but it was rescheduled until uh, the fall. And tell me about growing up bullying as a kid. What did you take away from that? And how do you think it's helped you to get to where you are now? Oddly enough, I had a dream yesterday about this girl who was like the biggest bully to me. And I texted one of my like childhood friends this morning was like, why did I just have a dream about her? Uh, And, you know, I think that, everyone deals with bullying and I don't think that there is one specific way that's worse than other ways I will say that from my experience you know so much of what I dealt with as a kid is so common and the fact that I had then started a blog and I was just a very different unique kid I didn't really fit in I wasn't good at school and I think the minute that you do something different or show people that you're different they're always going to kind of put a target on your back and I, I guess I'm lucky in a way that like I never was touched or hurt or punched or anything uh but those those words like they 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 kind of stick with you for the rest of your life so a lot of what I do comes from those personal experiences and that's why I feel like I could talk about bullying is because I dealt with it what advice would you give someone who's dealing with that right now my advice would just be to look at someone like myself who Uh, you know, could have gone in such a different path because of what I went through. And I really kind of turned life around. And I think that using those people as inspirations for yourself, and then also remembering that it's just a moment in time, anytime you deal with anything, it's just a moment in time. And you will not always be alone. You're never alone. There's always free resources out there. And don't be afraid to reach out for help. And tell me a little bit about your blog. What drew you towards blog? Have you always had like a passion for writing? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, when I initially started the blog, this was way before the days blogging was even popular. So it was pretty much there was like me and like six other bloggers out there. And those six girls got really famous from it. And so I just always loved to write. I was so bad at school. I always had like straight C's and D's, but I always had an A in English. So 
for me, starting a blog, it was just like a side hobby. I mean, I was a kid. It was like a fun thing. And if you look through my old blog posts, they're terribly written, like grammatically incorrect. But then as I got older and I, and I started realizing that I actually loved writing and I felt like I had a real voice in an area that I didn't have when I was growing up. I didn't have anyone like myself who didn't come from anything who was self-made to look up to. And that's when I found that writing was not only helping me get through my, so much, but then I also started realizing that it was helping other people. And that's when I kept, kept blogging throughout the years. And what advice do you have for someone who's trying to start a blog right now? I say this to everyone, whether they are an aspiring entrepreneur, blogger, Instagram, whatever, go into it because you love it. Do not go into it because you're going to be rich or famous or successful. And the reason I say that is because I think that it looks so easy. Like you just wake up and get paid for an Instagram post. And and for me, I run this as a company. So I have the summit and the podcast. Like this is all like I am an established company versus getting up and getting paid to write or a blog or post on Instagram is so different. You're not necessarily a brand. That's just what you're getting paid to do. Um, And so I think if you could look at it as like a side hobby or a side hustle, whatever, like I did, if you really enjoy it, then do it for that reason. And then when or if you are disappointed in your lack of results or traction, money, you won't have even really thought about that because you never intended for it to be anything from the beginning. And so like I, I would restate again, just going into something that you're passionate about and then if you love fashion or food whatever and blogging about that like if you are hating fashion but you think everyone out there is gonna who's famous as a fashion blogger and that's what you want to do why would you do that people can see someone who's not authentic you know and how long have you been on instagram oh i mean i was on instagram like right when it launched i was probably like 14 wow I, I don't know. Um, I'm 22 now. I don't. I don't even know what year it came out. But like whatever year it was, I I, I was on it posting. I mean the filters and everything. There was no cool filters or anything. I was just like posting pictures of the wall or my shoes, which was kind of nice. <laughs> and tell me a little bit about your strategy for Instagram and personal branding. What do you do that makes you feel like you stand out in the eyes of Instagram? I think I've asked that a lot. And the number one thing that I say is that my authenticity. And I think that the fact that I don't have millions of followers, but I've been on so many different TV shows and, and I've really made a space for myself in this space that's so saturated. And I really think it's because I'm so authentic. And a lot of times you're just getting super pretty girls or, you know, filters and all of that and the fact that I don't do that and I also talk so openly about my life is is really quite unique and then the the second level of that I would say is after doing this for so long and I'm starting many different things under that blog the summit and the podcast and then having that show I really kind of created a brand around like even things certain colors so the colors of my website match the colors of my Instagram I don't I don't pre-post or track or, or any of that where I'm like what filter will fit? I don't do that, but I have an eye now for, I'm like, okay, uh, you know, the colors pink and blue really resonate with me. And then for the summit page, it's like blue and yellow, but a darker shade of blue. So like, how can we all create content on my team that is along those lines just so that it's brand recognition. Uh, but it took me a really long time to do that, you know? Uh, but I would say that is something that I've also noticed has been beneficial. 
And how have you been on so many shows, like the Today Show, the Rachel Ray Show? How would you get on those shows? I would say 90% of the stuff that I've done, I've pitched myself. And so when I was first on Rachel Ray, that was like the first big segment that I did. And I found the producer's email online. And it was actually the day that I transferred to online school. So I convinced my mom, because I was failing out of high school, I was making a little bit of money from a LinkedIn page. And so I convinced her to let me drop out of high school and go to online school. And it was a public high school that I was at. And then that day I got a call from the producer and they were like, we have a segment next week. Will you please come and go on TV? And it was the first time that I had ever done it. I was petrified. Uh, it, it was so scary. And then I did it. And then I was asked back again. I think it was the following year. And so I got really close with the team there. And then I took basically that segment as a case study and then I pitched it out to so many other producers that I found on LinkedIn and, and whatnot. And then I finally landed myself on the Today Show. I literally emailed and interrogated them for a solid year, like January to December. And I got the phone call. Uh, it was like, it was like the, the previous June and I got on the next June or something, but it was a full year there that I pitched it and I just was relentless. And that's how you have to be in, in business is you can't take no for an answer. Mm-hmm. And what did you talk about on your Rachel Ray segment? Both segments for Rachel Ray were fashion based. The Today Show segment is the first segment that I did was that was about mental health. And that's mm-hmm. when I had switched the site to be more about mental health and less about fashion. Mm-hmm. And why did you go after these big shows? Why do you want to be on them? Why would I not want to be on them? Do you not want to be on them? Like, I, <laughs> why would I start small when I was like, so like, I, it's not going to work out anyway. And then, then it worked out because I went into it with no expectations. I just was like, I was more obsessed. And sometimes I find myself, I'm more obsessed with the drive, like knowing that I could do it versus like the end goal it's it's irrelevant to me I mean a yes is always great but even getting a no from someone is better than not hearing back so that's kind of always my mission like is even if I hear back and it's a no that's better than hearing back or not hearing back at all and when you went on the today show and talked about mental health um what specifically did you talk about what was your what'd you say in your segment They had pitched that segment to me, so I had pitched them so they knew who I was, but they had a topic lined out that was on helicopter parenting, so it was pretty much how parents can avoid being excessively involved in their kids' social media lives, and so that was was what it was because they told me, like, this is what you're going to speak on. And tell me about your Be Fearless Summit. How did you come up with the name? And what made you gravitate towards hosting a live event? So I came up with the name. I I had this idea, I want to say in like January or February of, or sorry, of 2018, this is 2020, right? Yes. I had the idea of, I actually had the idea around the beginning of 2018 and I had had a meeting with my manager in LA and, and, and it was when I was first negotiating this deal with Disney and they had asked me to go back to them with a name for the show. So her and I sat down and we were just like going over names that I felt like really resonated with me. So like relentless and fearless and strong and passionate and driven. And the name fearless just really stood out. So when I had this initial idea, like how can I start a little summit program that I was expecting to be very small? How can I start this? And so I was like, 
well, I don't have any, I don't think it's going to work out. I just love the idea. So I'm going to call it the Be Fearless Summit. When I look back, I, I don't like the name. It's so basic, but now that is the name, but I had no intentions for it. So I was like, whatever, this is just an idea. Like this is the name, Be Fearless. Okay. And so when I first pitched it, I pitched it out that entire rest of the year, didn't get any, didn't get any bites, kind of let the idea go for a few months. And then I was at a conference and one of the, that I was speaking at and one of the tables the vendor booth was Drexel University. And I was like, oh, I have this idea. And so I went up to the woman and was like, you know, I had this idea. I pretty much pitched it out. No one will take it on. Would you guys want to do it? So we set a meeting and then they first said yes. So the first summit was hosted March 15th at Drexel last year. And then the next one was supposed to be April 1st at UC Berkeley this year, which as I mentioned at the beginning is indefinitely postponed until this ends. But we've got sponsors like Headspace and Shake Shack and Morphe and Haynes and really big sponsors. And so it really just started as this little seed of an idea. And then I built upon it from there. And is it mainly going to be on college campuses? Well, my goal was initially to do it with colleges only. And so because I've only hosted one, almost two now, the goal for me is to maybe do like five to 10 with colleges and then build it up enough to where I could independently host it. I enjoy right now doing it with colleges because I get the space for free and the resources. There's also a lot of downsides behind the scenes doing it with colleges. But for right now, because it's still so new, having that additional assistance of the space being free as well as being able to give the tickets to students for free was really crucial for me. And up until like I would feel comfortable charging them. And so, yeah, it's it's a long process, but um, I think it makes sense to do it with them. And what type of speakers do you have at your events and what type of topics do you talk about with the students? Michelle Grant was the keynote. There was two executives from Hulu, Comcast. Mm-hmm. Shanae Alexander, who's a really big influencer, she spoke with one of the girls at Girls Life. There was a panel on mental health and whatnot. So this year was similar. We kept the same panel on mental health, but it wasn't partnered with Girls Life. Uh, but there are some new sponsors and new speakers, but I tried to make the one at Berkeley more local. So bringing in more like LA based speakers versus East coast based speakers. And so it was different and it was a little bit more tech driven. So it's an adjustment to do it with colleges because you have to research prior what each college is about because colleges are so different. So hopefully the next one will come about in the fall. And how do you get speakers? Uh, well, I have a submissions page, so you can submit pretty much on a rolling basis, but I would say it was about 50-50 last year, or for the next summit, I would say it was like 50% of people who had submitted, and then I have I have a team, my summit team, so then there's pretty much a Google Doc, and, and I have two girls, and they go through and they evaluate, say, 50-60 submissions, they evaluate those, and they come back to me and they're like, we think that these girls are good or these speakers are good, like take a further look at them. So then I go back and I look at them. And then, uh, then I also knew after speaking with, for example, Berkeley, that they had a huge interest in tech. So then I had my team again, go through and research like VC and angel investors and stuff. And then we had like a, a, a Google Excel sheet with all their contact info. And then I, I pitched them the idea to come and speak. So it's, it's a mix. And how do you pitch someone? 
I think it depends what you're pitching. I mean, I would say what I do is so different. So I wouldn't necessarily, like I've, I've talked about this a lot and stuff online in podcast episodes, but I would say if you're pitching yourself for either like your dream job or you really want a cool internship, you know, and I've talked to a lot of really big founders and, and because of social media, I think so many young people think it's very easy. Like I'm going to DM my future boss on Instagram and she's going to give me a job. And that's not how it is. If you are trying to work for like an influencer or some social media agency, maybe, but if you're looking to work for the Rachel Rays and like the big founders and the Fortune 500, you need to go back to the OG ways, write a good email, explain who you are, be concise to the point, why you think you're a fit for the company and send that out. And you might have to follow up a ton of times. You might have to email 30 people at the company, but that's the proper way to do it. Um, writing a letter or even picking up the phone is, is a great idea. Um, and then you know, I guess if you're really trying to get yourself out in the public eye, then I, I did it in a very non-traditional way, which was just relentless pitching. I think people don't want to spend the time doing what I did. I had time on my side because I was so young when I started. Uh, and now it's, it's, it's similar, but I'm way more, I, I know much more about who to specifically pitch, how to find their email and what I want. And at your live event, is it like mainly speakers all day? Do you do like workshops? What does it look like? It's breakout sessions and workshops. So there's a panel at the beginning. It's like an introduction from me. And then there's a panel. So this one, this here was uh, in conversation with one of the VPs at Lucasfilm, which is a huge film company. And then the next one was a panel of angel investors. So what they would be looking for to get them to invest in your company. Then there's a lunch hour that's like a catered lunch and they can, people can go around and network and go to the booths and stuff and talk to the sponsors. And then in the afternoon, there's two back-to-back sessions from one to four. Um, so there's one on mental health. There's one on like building your social media presence. There's one on, I haven't looked at the schedule in so long since it got canceled, but, um, I'm trying to think, uh, there was one on, uh, there's like a bunch of them. Um, if you check out the, this, I should know this, but I forgot it's fearlesssummit.org, but there's two back to back for three, for three hours in the afternoon. And what's your favorite part of hosting an event? I think my favorite part of hosting an event is actually the feeling after it's done. It's like this ethereal feeling as if you just had the best news of your life. And the reason I say that is because there's such a strong buildup up until the summit. There's so much stress and anxiety. And the, the minute that it's over, it's the sense of relief, but also like a lot of, for me, self-awareness of like um you know the first one when it was over I was I really thought it could have done a lot better but I also understood that I didn't have too much control with how it went it was the first one so I think now that moment the one when it's over is like okay I I'm actually now really impressed because the first one it all just happened in such a blur and now I I know so much about how to plan it and so I would say that's that's a great moment but also, for me, the connections, like the people that I'm able to meet and the girls that I'm able to hear their stories, that's a huge, that is the driving force for why I do this, even at the times where I'm like, what am I doing? And so hearing that throughout the day and then following up on social media and whatnot is, is incredible. And can you share maybe one or a couple stories of like speakers that really stood out to you? 
Yes. Well, I don't want to um, eliminate any of the lineup, but mm-hmm. I will say that specifically last year, because this one didn't didn't happen yet, Michelle Grant, she, over the past year since that, she sold her company for $85 million. She left Victoria's Secrets and started an incredible bra company called Lively. So she's amazing. The entire team at Girls Life is amazing. Um, I love Kelsey. She's one of the editors there. One of my best friends, Daniela, it has a mental health nonprofit. She spoke. There was, I liked the entire mental health panel a lot. I didn't love the influencer conversation last year. Um, and then I really liked the morning panel, too. So because I didn't go to college and because I never worked a corporate job, hearing what people in the audience asked those the panel of executives from like Comcast and Hulu was really interesting for me to watch. So I, I really enjoyed that too. And when you decided not to go to college, was it cause you had, what, what was your reasoning behind that? And what's maybe something, yeah. What, what was the reasoning? I couldn't afford it. Um, when I, was deciding whether to go to college. I grew up in a very middle-class household. Something really terrible happened to my father when I was younger. And so pretty much all the money my mom had ever saved went to my sister's college. She's 16 years older than me. And so I kind of got the back end of like, oh, well, this, I don't know if I can swear, oh, this yeah. up situation happened in your life and not your sister's. Uh, and the money that I had all now went to your dad and like you're on your own. And so for me, I was like, okay, I'm not good at school anyway. I don't want to be in debt. I'm a huge believer in like fate and things happen for a reason. So I was like, if I don't go now, it's not like I can never go. And I, I didn't have that bond with my childhood or like where I'm from, where I felt like I'm missing out by not going. Like I had my fair share of college parties. I still go to them. Like that is more fun to me than like studying. And so then I moved out at 17 and I did the whole broke starving artist thing. And then it just started to pay off. And then I'm at where I am now where I'm like, I don't need to go to college, but I highly, highly suggest people go to college. Just because I didn't go does not mean you do not need to go to college. And you moved out at 17. Did you move to LA or where'd you move to? No, I moved to Bedside, Brooklyn, and I was there for five months. And then uh, that's when I started making money. And then I moved to the financial district, um, Wall Street. And then I moved to Boston for two years. And then I came to LA and I've been here for three now for that Disney show that I got. And what's your favorite part of LA? <laughs> You're, I'm here, so. <laughs> I currently learning right now 
I'm learning how to slow the fuck down. Like I've never had a moment in my life where I'm not so anxious or really stressed about things or like really like what is happening? You know, when, when this first happened, I was about to get this, this awesome show on another because I, I left Disney last year, so that show ended in September, and I had pitched this other show, and it was about to come through, and then this happened, and now I, I never even heard back from the producer there, and, and that was a huge thing for me, because as someone who like lives and breathes what I do for a career, and, and I put so much effort into that, I think to have the world be like, it is done for everyone, whether you're me, or Kim Kardashian, or a nurse, like... I mean, well, nurses are obviously still really actively working. Thank God they are. But, you know, I I think that was a a huge realization for me. So I'm learning that how to breathe. Uh, And I'm also, like, really enjoying a little sense of, like, being alone, I think, because, you know, you have a podcast, so you get it. Always talking to people, I can be really exhausting. So now I think being able to more choose the people I want to talk to more sparingly versus, like, being forced to go to... I don't know, say there's an event or something and I just really don't want to go, but I feel like I need to go. Uh, Whereas now I can choose more wisely. Mm. And what is something that you're obsessed with right now? Do you mean like anything? Anything, like anything, any obsession. I'm obsessed with right now. (laughs) Um, I'm obsessed with this restaurant called Moon Bowls (laughs) and they keep sending me my lunch I keep getting these free codes and I don't know how that's an obsession um I'm obsessed with my new apartment I'm about to move I'm like having dreams about it um yeah I would say I would say those two come to mind <laughs> kind of boring but. and are you also you're on TikTok too right like and not dancing I will never do the <laughs> dancing things like, I don't know if you're on TikTok maybe teach me something um but I, I I do more like random TikToks if I have my makeup done like something cute and fashion related but I don't love TikTok yeah yeah I'm TikTok is interesting I, I love scrolling through it just to see like the ridiculous things that people do and like the things that we say but don't say you know like the things we're thinking I keep getting the, the Carol Baskin song. Like the minute I go on it, just if I was doing a post, and the minute I go on, I don't. I don't even know because I don't even really follow anyone, so I don't get how my new, my feed or whatever is filled with all these people. But it's like Kylie Jenner and stuff who I don't really want to follow in my day to day life. So that's why I don't really use it. But that stupid song. It's like I have to play some really aggressive like that song to get that like she killed her husband song out of my head. It's always stuck in my head. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> What is something that people probably don't know about you? Um, oh, that's a great question. I think people probably don't know that I'm, like, incredibly sensitive. And, uh, you know, especially career-wise, like, I'm not getting rejected and then screaming about it. Like, I get very, very frustrated to where I get very depressed. And I have to work on that all the time. Um, and I think also... Uh, I take a lot of um, pride in, I think, my friendships, and, and I think that uh, I'm very not easy to let people into my life because I've been hurt from a lot of friends, especially from when I was younger. You know, I think also, like, it, it looks like I'm 
like always working and stuff but I mean I'm like I, I'm fine I like to go out like I also make a lot of mistakes I really do stupid stuff and I don't post about it online and so I'm in no capacity perfect or better than anyone else I just I'm really passionate about something and I think if any person can find that passion inside of them then they can also do what I do and how do you, you have great questions <laughs> and how do you work on that sensitive part when you pitch something and it doesn't work out and how do you work on like not being so sensitive it's gotten a lot easier and um, something that I always say is the rejection never gets easier you just get stronger even for example I I had pitched the call last week I got it picked up by a huge magazine I woke up this morning and they're like we can't air this we'll still pay you but it can't go like they call it we have to kill the article that sucks. Like I just spent a week writing an article. I'm so passionate about this huge magazine and it's done like that. Um, and I, you're just, I think you have to just take things in your stride. And I think I have always proven to myself that there are things that will not work out and something better will come. And because I've proven that so many times and that's something that I really learned in therapy when I was in therapy is that the things that don't work out, there's always something better, but sometimes it takes a really long time, but you'll have that moment then when something else better comes about that you're like, ah, I see why this didn't work out. Um, so yeah, I would say that. And also you mentioned that you have a hard time letting people into your life. How do you decide like, this is someone I want to let into my life? How do you decide that? Um, I think now like there's certain warning signs to me and especially with dating, like I get really triggered when I'm around people who are either so obsessed with fame or celebrities or that's a huge trigger for me. And I don't know why. And I think moving to LA made it very clear to me. And so, especially with dating, like I have always dated guys on the East coast because I've just personally found them to be a lot more like they don't like entertainment. They don't care. And for me, this is such a big part of my life. So I was truthfully seeing someone um, and you're getting pretty serious. And then I just was like, I don't, I don't think that we align in the way that necessarily I want to be with someone who perhaps doesn't want to be in front of the camera. And that's a huge thing for me. So with that, and then especially with friends, you know, when I first moved to LA, I got myself hooked in with the wrong people, like excessive drinking, a lot of drugs, bad stuff. And I, and I made that decision because I didn't know anyone else. And so through being friends with that group of friends and then, finally being like this is not healthy I then met so much so many other great people and that is just a huge reminder for me and and I knew from the beginning that there was things wrong with that group of friends but I was like so desperate for friends and I think it's very relatable if anyone moves to a new city and doesn't know anyone like would you really want to stay alone all day no it sucks uh so just kind of again taking those like mistakes and stuff in your stride and, and making and turning them around to be like I now know the people that I want to surround myself with. And are you on dating apps? Do you slide into guys' DMs? What do you do? <laughs> uh, no, you know, uh, I remember I was I was living in New York when Tinder first came out, and and I I did the Tinder thing when I was like seventeen, and now I'm not. And I was in a relationship like on and off for about three years from here in Connecticut, uh, and I'm on Raya. I don't know if you've heard of Raya. Yeah. It sucks. I went out on one date with a guy on Raya, and then the last guy I met, um, I met at my office. I have a WeWork office, and I'm, like, a huge person. Like, that's why I love the East Coast. I love the idea of dating someone still from the East Coast. I'm a big, like, go to a bar and meet a guy or, like, go out somewhere and meet a guy. LA has that faultiness because sports are not as big here, so there's not, like, too many sports bars. 
But besides that, um, I've slid into a few guys, like athletes, DMs, but mostly people that I've matched with on Raya who then didn't reply if I messaged them, and then they still didn't reply on Instagram, but then I forget. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. The, the idea of, like, I have a few friends who are, like, Bumble and Hinge, whatever. I don't, I don't do those ones. Uh, but they're, like, the Zoom dating and stuff. Like, I'm way too lazy and would way rather be in sweatpants to, like, get on a zoom call that's not semi-work-related right now but I, I applaud people who are putting the effort into it I hope you meet the love of your life via zoom <laughs> and what have your 20s been like so far well, I've never been asked that question before before how old are you I'm 19 oh you're so young uh, <laughs> I think my 20s the first beginning of my 20s when I first moved to LA were, were pretty terrible I really didn't know who I was. And now my 20s are better on a personal level. I will say that on a work level, I'm still, like, I am learning and make so many mistakes on, on that end. Or not even mistakes, but just so much trial and error business-wise as I get older. But personal-wise, I would say they're great in the sense that I really finally feel like I know who I am. Like I mentioned, like, the friends and the dating and stuff, I know exactly what I'm looking for. Uh, and I think that now I would never sacrifice certain things or traits in someone that I would have five years ago because I didn't know what I wanted. Uh, so that part is great. And what advice would you give your 20 year old self? Oh my God, so much <laughs> advice. Okay, wait, so yeah, um, I would tell myself to like, I mean, I try and tell this to myself now, like calm down. It's fine. You're fine. You'll make enough money. Like, uh, um, I wish I had dealt with a lot of the stuff that I dealt with as a kid when I was in my, like my first year of being 20 versus the older I get. Um, and, and I guess something that's universal across the board is, and I think so many girls deal with this is they always feel like they want a boyfriend or I used to just be obsessed with dating. Like I felt like I always needed to date someone or be talking to someone. And now I don't really care if it happens, it happens. And so I would also tell myself that like, you don't need a boyfriend. That's not going to make you feel valuable, um, but your friends will. And are there any questions that you wish I would have asked you? No, I think you asked the best <laughs> question. No joke I've ever been asked in any interview. <laughs> Thank you. Like you asked such good questions. I'm genuinely impressed. <laughs> And usually I get asked like all the same questions. So it's a nice breath of fresh air. <laughs> and where can people connect with you? So you can find me on social media at, at Alexa underscore Curtis or my podcast, which airs on Wednesdays called This Is Life Unfiltered. And then the summit program is at Be Fearless Summit. And um, the website for that is www.befearlesssummit.org. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'd love if you can leave me a review on iTunes. Please feel free to share it with any friends you think the story would resonate with. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.